Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights from Interval for the week of March 30th. And I am Chris Bevelo, President of Interval. Adam Meyer, Design Director. And we're going to be posting a little late this week, uh, mainly because I was out of town all last week. I was in D.C. with my son. So we took spring break, and and, uh, my son Jack is 11. And we spent the week, Monday through Friday there. And then I came back in yesterday, uh, spent the day with uh, client activity, which I'll describe a little bit later. But uh, so we'll be posting a little bit late. But the only thing I, the only thing I'll mention about all that is, I look out the window today, and it's exactly like it was <laughs> when I left DC, cold and rainy. Yeah, it looks pretty miserable. It's awful. I guess it's it not is. snow. I, I suppose if you were five miles northwest of where we're at right now, it might be pretty nasty. Yeah, well, it looks better now than it did earlier too. Without it's not at least it's not freezing. Yes, now as as it was earlier. So though I still can't get over the. I know that there's big storms. But they predicted this would hit the Twin Cities and it went from being like monster eight inch to six inch to two inch. The only thing I'll say is that they said for Monday, 100% chance of snow. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Not 99, not 90, 100. <laughs> and did it snow? No, well, it was a little, I'll give them credit, a little credit. There was white when I got up this morning, but it, was more, it wasn't snow. It was but like this frozen. morning's Tuesday. Well, that's true. That's true. But I, I'm assuming it happened late last night. I'm, I don't I'm know. <laughs> 100% chance of snow. And it was 45 and sunny. I don't know. Anyway, I won't, we won't get into the whole weatherman thing. It's a whole different deal. Okay. So we wanted to dive into something that uh, we blogged about, both Adam and I blogged about this week. Uh, Adam started off with a post about the death of traditional media, uh, and then I posted some devil's advocate comments to that. And then there was kind of an ironic uh, happening Sunday. So why don't first, why don't you kind of give a in a nutshell what you were trying to talk about in your blog? All right, all right. Well, there there have been a number of articles recently on CNN, um, uh, what a, what New York Times, um, some other places that I've, I've seen articles and specific to some of the uh, regions in which we have clients as well, talking about how newspapers are just shutting down. They're either shutting down altogether or moving to an online model because they just can't sustain print anymore. Like the Seattle Post-Intelligencer? The Intelligencer. That's that's a hard one to say. Yeah, it's the the Intelligencer. So that was the latest. One of the big ones, yeah. Um, so really, just a number of articles about, as you said, I think you phrased it well, the death of traditional media. And I was just kind of thinking out loud about what, what effect that's going to have on our industry in general. Um, potential, kind of looking at kind of some, potentially some of the pros of it as well as you know, the cons of it and, and what is this going to mean? How are we going to be you know, reshaping what we do and, and what avenues are we going to be exploring to replace the ones that are falling to the wayside and i'll add to that it wasn't just uh i think most of what you put in there was about the kind of print magazines newspapers right there was an article i think it was in time we'll find out and put it in our show notes this week about kind of the death of network television and uh how the viewership has dropped dramatically uh i can't remember the statistics but it was like you know it was maybe 60 you know in the 70s 67 percent of the the networks had 67 percent of the view i can't remember what the, i'm gonna screw it up so i'm not gonna say it <laughs> but it was a dramatic drop uh because now people are moving to 
well, cable, but but even more so online, Hulu and things we've talked about right. before. So these traditional media channels that our clients uh, use as part of their marketing channels are changing at least, dying off at most. And there's a whole argument to be made about whether it's a good thing uh, whether newspapers should die off, whether we should try to save them. To me, it's very similar to, I had a conversation last night with somebody about the auto industry. Mm-hmm. Should we save the auto industry? Should, should we support it? Should we, I think you mentioned that in your blog about, uh, should newspapers be nonprofit because of the value? Right, well, there, there was an article. There's, there's a bill being proposed in the Senate, I believe, by, I can't remember his name, a d- dude who wants to introduce the option of saving newspapers by allowing them to be Nonprofits and giving them a host of tax breaks as a result of that. Right. Um, I can't say I'm a for by bailing out any industry at all. To me, right. to, you know, as, as a supporter of the, whole, the free market concept, it's yep. kind of like when an, an industry fails, let it fail. It's not, I don't. It's not going to bounce back because yes. And it, I think when you've got no customers, you've got no customers. I think, and you made some great points about how, especially you know, the younger you look at people, the more likely they are to use the internet. Uh, I'm still an old fogey when it comes to that. One of my kind of counterpoints was I still love – there's nothing that gets me more excited than opening a mailbox and seeing my time or business weekend there. I yeah. still get the paper on the weekend. Yep. Uh, but uh, especially as electronic books, Kindle 2, and, and these things become – and there are some amazing technologies that are just around the corner that will virtually replicate a magazine in electronic form. Right, right. Which, which may, for me, give me the same experience – uh, and, and I have a Kindle, and I love my Kindle because it doesn't feel like I'm reading my computer screen. It, it feels very intimate, and the experience is great. Uh, I forgot where I was going with all this. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree <laughs> I, just, with the, well, I just drove down like a side road, and I'll, it dead-ended. <laughs> no, I think, I, think, I think you're definitely still on track, and I agree with a, a lot of what you're saying. I, I'm a, I'm, as, as a nerd, I'm a, I love fantasy fiction. I, nothing that I love more than before going to bed, just sitting down with a novel right. and reading it and having, feeling it in my hands and flipping the pages. Uh, I haven't, I've, I've played with people's, with friends' Kindles. I, ha, I don't own one, so I haven't really I'm been able to. I'm not sure you want to put that on, your, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be taken the wrong way. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've had the chance to hold them and try them. And I like it. I just haven't taken the leap to actually getting one yet. Right. So I, I think that I could get from a Kindle what I get from a novel. I don't know that Kindles or any any electronic device is quite at the stage yet in which it can deliver me the magazine content that I enjoy right. in that format. Because those are low-contrast screens. They're monotone. Um, a lot of the magazines I get are design-related. So it's not that can't be delivered in a monotone Right format with the articles certainly could be, but without the visuals to accompany them, they're not nearly as interesting. Um, same with some of the other music-related magazines I get. It's great to see pictures of the artists that you love in color. So for me, there's definitely still a place for print, at least at this point in time. Um, it's just that a lot of the the advertising venues that we traditionally use as an agency with our clients, you know, some of those are falling. They're falling away. Right. They're, they're disappearing. Right, they are. And we, we could spend a long time talking about the social ramifications of the loss of newspapers. And while I'm also a free market guy, I think of the media as much as I loathe them in many ways. Uh, time, investigative reporting, special reporting, stuff that gets at Watergate, stuff that digs into what we as a democracy need. 
we can't lose that. Well, it's one just of, how is it funded? Right, right. Well, and one of the points that um, I think it might have been the New York Times made was that this isn't doesn't necessarily this isn't necessarily a bad thing for the big guys because those are the ones who could potentially come out on top over this because the one, people are still going to hunger for this media at least for a while. Right. Um, and the little guys are going to die away, which could be beneficial for the big guys because that could boost their numbers in terms of sus- subscribers or people af- after their content. So, well, we'll see. Well, we'll try to tie it back in here to to what our audience is thinking about because the irony to me was I just thought it was really cool. I think you posted your blog on Wednesday or Thursday. I think, of, yeah. The prior week. Uh, and Sunday, the Star Tribune, the Minneapolis Star Tribune here in the Twin Cities, had a front-page story uh, about hospitals and how they're having to be more proactive about looking for prepayment, payment payment plans, trying to help their patients figure out how they're going to pay for the care they're receiving because they're getting swamped by bad debt. And it's not a requirement. It's not a you have to pay for this procedure before you get it. Uh, It was more of a a helpful kind of thing. But the irony, the interesting part was it was a print-only article. And so I first learned about it Saturday night on their website where they were promoting it, and they said you can read about it only in the Sunday paper. And I thought, well, that's different. Uh, and then it came, I get the Sunday paper, and it came, and it was a, it was a terrific article. Uh, and then they had in their editorial section uh, the editor-in-chief or whoever it is talked about how this was an experiment to you know basically try to find ways to – they can't give away their content, and, and they can't. I mean, they, that's part of the problem with what's on the web is people are getting it for free. Uh, there, are adver- there is advertising, uh, obviously, on their website, but – you know, they're losing subscribers and they're losing a, a key revenue stream. And so how do you how do you recapture that revenue? And there's been talk about people saying, well, maybe you should have to pay a nickel or a dime when you get an article off a, a website. I think if you could set up a system for that, people would be all over it. I'd be more than willing to pay a nickel if it was a New York Times article because right. that content is worth right. a nickel. Right. I shouldn't. I don't expect to get it for free, but because they've given it to us for free, mm-hmm. that's where the danger is. So it was a very interesting kind of counter to what, to what you were talking about, and, and seeing how a newspaper might try to push back and say, "Well, wait a second, you know." Well, and I think there's a, there's really a fine line. I don't even know how fine it is, but there's there's a certain amount of content that I think that these publishers can allow can allow themselves to put out for free for sure because it still supports their their the revenue that they get right. from ad income. They need people to see the ads for viewer for advertise for people, for people who advertise to want to continue to advertise, obviously. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't think that ad revenue is going to be enough to sustain some of these. I mean, it's, right. it's enough to sustain some media. I mean, you look at radio, that's, that's how they make money. That's right. like the only way they make for the most part, the only way they make money, it works for them. Um, they don't have the overhead of printing costs and delivery, right. that kind of stuff. Yep. But as papers move to online, they're not going to have that expense anymore either. But radios, radio stations don't do – I mean, this is why I thought it was very smart by the Star Tribune. They put a premium to me on this story, which was done by the, the uh, healthcare reporter, and I always mispronounce her name, but we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, a, a tremendous – research and, and story that you could not get anywhere else. And that's the kind of thing they have every right to say, you know what? You're not going to find this anywhere else. And right. this is really important and you're going to have to pay for it. 
So radio stations don't have that cost. Right. The cost of paying a great reporter to dig over a couple of weeks and build a tremendous story. Yep. All they're doing is playing, paying for music that, that half of them own anyway because they're in bed with the music companies. Oh, man, yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they spend a lot on fees. I remember when I worked in radio, there were times when, we, when you basically audited what you played and then use that information to determine how much you were going to pay to as like ASCAP and what other right, right, companies right. are. So it certainly is expensive um, in that, in that regard, but definitely at not the expense that you're talking about with sending journalists to right. Iraq. Overseas. Right. Exactly. To, you know, and, yeah. and I'm guessing that those people get paid fairly well to put their lives on the line. To do, or maybe, they they have a passion, maybe they should have a passion for it. I don't you're think probably, you're probably do. right. You're probably, it's their life's passion. Yeah. So they probably don't need to get paid. Well, it's not just it, passion. I think there's some, some, Oh man, if you're going to throw yourself into publicity the middle of appeal and war zone name recognition. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure know. that's part of it. I, so, I would tie that into the passion aspect. Of yeah. It, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. So anyway, we're, this is kind of a PBS version of our podcast cause we're really talking about social <laughs> issues here. So we'll try to bring it back here and, and, the content of the story I thought was very interesting, and, and I blogged about uh, the reaction to, the, to these um, tactics by hospitals and health systems. So basically, like, for example, calling somebody who's registered to have a baby and saying, how, you know, how do you plan on paying for your deductible? Do you want to start paying ahead of time? Do you want to have a payment plan? Trying to, trying to get on top of this. And the reactions I thought were really interesting. One was a patient who was like, man, they're trying to shake me down before I even had the baby. And I just thought... Boy, if we're expecting consumers to to understand healthcare and the cost ramifications of their decisions, that I think represents the attitude of most of them, which right. is you Get know kind of how back. dare you even bring this up? Right. Well, that's how it's going to work. Yeah. So we, you know, and then later it was found out that she was an attorney. So I thought, well, here's an attorney blaming a hospital for you know <laughs> attorneys use retainers all the time. Right. It's the same thing. So, you know, later on, she kind of said, yeah, I guess if you put it that way. And then there was a, a health policy guy from the University of Minnesota who was like, oh, hospitals should not be doing this. This is not part of their core competency. And I just thought they're trying to collect money. Right. Every well, business has to do that. The issue, the issue with health care specifically is that most of many of us are used to we don't see a lot of that money exchange right. at right. all. Right. You know, I, I almost, I can relate it also to you when you buy a new car, you know, if you're a financially stable person with your income, you can afford to make a car payment. You, you get this new car, you put down your down payment, you start making automatic payments every month and you never actually have to, you're never forking over cash to somebody physically. Right. You're never right. writing out a check even. So assuming that you're making enough to, to support, to support that expense, it's like you never really, feel the impact of it necessarily because it's just kind of always it's automatic that's what it's people say about taxes about like medicare and social security right, right. they're automatically taking on your paycheck well, and, so I, and don't. healthcare is that same thing but much more even even worse because you feel we've come to a point which we feel entitled to it for one thing right. we also many of many of us have jobs in which we get that the healthcare plan and we don't ever we don't other than knowing a few of the details, you never really know that much right. about it. You just assume you can go get your health care when you need your health care, pay a small fee, and the rest of it's taken <laughs> care of, and you don't have to worry right. about it. And in part, that's ridiculous, really, because that's it's, what a I freaking, mean, yeah. it's a business. It's an, it's, there's many, many people who need to get paid behind the scenes. Yes. Um, 
even even when it comes to pharmaceuticals and drug companies, sometimes I get it blows my mind a little bit that people flip out over cost because you know it's got to be re- ridiculously expensive to research and develop some of these drugs. I yeah. still I, I I get a little flipped out when I have to pay what I have to pay for them sometimes, but at the same time I'm still. You you see that reaction at home when people go on Cobra, and it always fascinates right. me when uh, you you know people are just like their jaw drops at how expensive Cobra is and. Uh, they lose their job, which is always unfortunate, and they have to, you know, basically pay for the health insurance themselves. That's what it costs the company. They're yeah. paying what it costs right. the company to, right. to insure them. So, I mean, that's another huge disconnect. Why should it be jaw dropping? Everybody should know. Look, the company is basically this is what it's costing the company, and you're getting eighty percent, fifty percent covered, or whatever it is. Uh, but I just think that's another example of kind of that disconnect. But right. uh, I guess I don't fault hospitals and health systems for trying to recoup what is what is due to them that it's just tough when it's healthcare and like you said people they're entitled and it's weird it's icky when you think about you know what if i don't pay you're not gonna fix my arm and all that kind of stuff so it it, it was just a very interesting kind of confluence of things happening with your post and the idea of traditional media and then the newspaper doing this so anyway, you can you can read about that on our in our blog and and kind of get more detail on it. Let's totally switch gears. Uh, we started a new bit last week called ads we love to hate, and we said we won't always go negative on it. So maybe there'll be ads we we love to love. But I do have one that came up, uh, and it was I've seen it a hundred times now. But it happened when I was in D.C. and I was with my son, and we both were like, "What in the." <laughs> bloody age is going on here and i know some people love this ad so maybe i'm out on an island but it's the mcdonald's filet fish uh, give me that fish i can't remember what it i don't think do you have i have to check have I you not even, seen it i don't think oh I we'll have. definitely be able to put a link to that on our show page <laughs> our show notes well, it's so annoying the, my problem is that like much like we were talking about earlier with people not watching going to like the web for their TV. That's me. But not right. only that, but I don't even watch. I don't, I don't get exposed to some of these ads these days because the, the advertising I see are like sponsors, sponsorships for the podcast that I look forward to watching. So it's not, well, not even traditional advertising. See there. here I was in DC stuck in my hotel room without TiVo. I had no choice but to watch the commercials. Right. And so that's where it really was like somebody was strapping me to a chair and slapped me across <laughs> the face with a big trout with this ridiculous <laughs> ad. I don't know. I think some people think it's awesome. It is creative. I'll give him that. But it's just something <laughs> so annoying about the dude sitting in his chair, kind of bopping to the fish and the music and <laughs> the other weird guy who comes in. You're like, what's he doing there? And well, we'll get it linked in our show notes. Yes, so you can we'll definitely put it up there. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> okay. I wanted to talk about one more thing. Uh, I had a great experience yesterday. Uh, I got to spend the day at, with a group from a healthcare system here in town. I won't divulge who it was, but it was it was an all day retreat, kind of a charrette or a, a brainstorming planning, and there was roughly fifty sixty people there, and it was all uh, managers. There were some providers, some physicians. Nobody from marketing that I could tell uh, were present, and and the job was to kind of brainstorm ways. Uh, to better promote their services, to better build their services, to, to provide a better experience, to develop some programs. Uh, and it was all very intense activity, uh, small group, large group. And by the end, there were six initiatives that had 
action plans behind them. So it was a really a neat experience. But a couple things came out of it uh, that I just thought were really would resonate with folks relative to healthcare marketing and, and branding. One of them was it was amazing to me as we went through this uh, how many ideas started out as being something for the patient and these folks could not help but turn them into things for the staff. And there was one initiative, I won't say what it was, but the whole intent was to provide a better level of service to patients. And by the end, it was all about how this would be great for the staff. And, you know, there was a few people that were trying to, like, hold on to wait just a second. You know, the goal can't be (laughs) this is for patients, families, and staff. This needs to be just for patients. If staff can use this, that's fantastic. It's kind of like the discussion we had about the uh, beautiful lobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as soon as you make staff an equal for a specific initiative or specific like experience, all of a sudden you're going to compromise. Right. And, and the, you know, the analogy somebody gave was, is this going to be a FedEx plane that's, that's basically for corporate use or is it a, a sun country plane that's for passenger use? Uh, or is it a C-130 that's in the middle? And you know, those of us said, well, nobody wants, no passenger wants to ride on a C-130. <laughs> this needs to be a sun country customer focused experience. But boy, it just kept slipping back and slipping back. And I just think that shows how difficult it is for healthcare leaders, marketers, whoever, to, for example, develop a patient-focused experience right. without getting sucked into that, you know. The bureaucracy and the levels of. Oh, and it's just got to, you know, just all of the challenges of trying to do something from a patient perspective instead of what healthcare typically does was develop it from a provider perspective. Right, right. And that's not to belittle what's no. important for staff because certainly right. just as important to make sure that your employees and your, st- your staff is happy so that i mean they're they're the market they're the ones with yes. that one-on-one contact with the patients they are extremely they are the most important touch point right um so obviously but but initiatives should be developed. audience focused o- audience focused exactly there should right. be initiatives developed for consumers and for because there's different for needs staff. yeah by yeah. definition there's the going to be some needs. overlap in places yeah. for sure but they have to be i think they need to be viewed and i don't separately. even fault the people that i was working with because i think they're very passionate they want to do the right thing they're looking at well maybe it'll be you know we'll save more money or it'll, it'll be a better deal if more people can benefit from it i just think it's the forest for the trees i think it's this is what you live you right. swim in that yep. pool yep. and it's so hard to step out and look at it from an outside perspective so that was one thing uh and then the other thing was so often i heard people say people don't know us people <laughs> if people just knew physicians community people patients were the, the best kept secret if they only knew what we Hidden offered chain. we would have more volume right. and uh, you know, in the past, we've kind of called this the engineering the engineer's disease, where if you just build something and put it on the shelf, engineers just think, hey, look at it. This is great. We've got right. this M130 thing with job. And all you have to let people know is that you have it and they will come. Right. And it's so it's so classic and so typical. But I, I heard it so often yesterday and I thought, well, if you're the only choice, maybe that's true. If people only think about you. And all they care about is healthcare needs. Yeah, put it out there, and they're going to go, hey, I want that. But A, they have plenty of choices. So right. it's not enough just to let them know. You know, to me, it was the equivalent of Sears going, people don't know we have all these products, so let's put together a catalog. <laughs> Fine, but you've got to sell the catalog. You've got to promote. You've got to use 
you know, marketing techniques and strategies. You can't just put everything in a catalog and expect people to drive on in. But it was it was just over and over and over. And so uh, it was it was very interesting to me that that not surprising, I guess, but interesting that you still hear right, that over right. and over. Well, I think it's people take they take you take pride in what you do. And when you have right. pride in it, you right. feel like it's the best thing and everybody should want it. Right. Even you know, it's even it's funny sometimes that people who don't even like what they do will defend what they do because it's what they do. Right. Right. Because um, it's a reflection on them. Right. So right. The so end, yep. that's the image they want to portray. So, and that just feeds that You're mindset. Right. Yes, absolutely. I think that's, uh, that's so much of what's behind it is that, hey, we do this and we're very good at it. And they are good at it. But they're just missing the point that, you know, we always use the example of, you know, there are six to eight nationally recognized heart centers in this market that my insurance allows me to go to any and they're all within 20 minutes. Right. So it is not enough to let me know you have a heart center. It's you have to go so much further than that. And uh, that just shows the work that leaders and marketers need to do internally to let people know, you know, yeah, there may be a gap in what people know. Uh, but that is not all we're going to have to do. And yep. in most cases, it's not that. And it's also, if you say that about 20 things, I'm sorry, no physician or no consumer is going to know <laughs> you for 20 things. Right. So it, that can't be the answer for everything. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting takeaway. And I don't mean to be negative. I thought that, again, I thought the work they did was tremendous. But those are some of the things that kind of rose to the top from a marketing perspective uh, that I think most marketers probably can relate to, but uh, you certainly still hear it, see it quite often. Okay. Right. Well, I think that's a that's a good wrap point right there, don't you think? Yep, I think so. Okay, cool. Well, we'll get this up as soon as we can. And for uh, Healthcare Marketing Insights, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. And we will talk to you next time. See you.